Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Howard Smith, and I will be your host for today's program, New Business Paradigms, Conscious Commentary on Business and Society with Ronaldo Brutico. Ronaldo, as you all know, is the president of the World Business Academy, and I'm a member of the board of directors of the Academy, as well as a vice president and wealth advisor with Morgan Stanley Smith Barney here in Ventura County. Uh, if you'd like to contact us for any reason, send us an email, ask us a question, uh, comments about the shows in the past. Um, simply email us at info at worldbusiness.org, or you can also simply go to our website and find out more information about the Academy, about these programs, and uh, that's, again, worldbusiness.org is our website. Um, during today's program, Brunaldo will be covering several broad-ranging topics, along with our lightning round and our financial literacy section. As always, we have included some questions and comments from you, our audience, that we've received over the past month. Uh, we have several of these in the queue, which we'll be adding into our conversation. One of the purposes of these monthly calls is, again, to present you, our members and listeners, with concrete, actionable ideas that you can apply. Today, we're going to be focusing on, first, a talk with, and we've had a slight change here in our schedule for those of you who are looking at the announcement, uh, Pamela Hawley cannot make it today, but we will be speaking with Deborah Rosman. Deborah is the CEO of HeartMath, and we'll explain a little bit more about what she does and how she works a little bit later on in the show. And our main topic today, which we'll start after the uh, introduction and we'll finish up after the lightning round, is basically, have you heard, arithmetic is a new buzzword. Why? This election is about the economy. Again, we're going to do our lightning round later on in the show, a series of quick insights and comments on various asset classes, such as bonds, equities, gold, and real estate. And today, during our financial literacy section, Ronaldo and I will be discussing load versus no-load mutual funds, a topic always near and dear to my heart. With that, I'm going to introduce Ronaldo, and uh, again, the purpose of these calls is to present our members, Ronaldo, with ideas that they can use that reflect the World Business Academy's desire to bring socially conscious practices on business and society to the community at large. We'd like to expand upon this for our audience and explain exactly what this means or entails. Ronaldo, take it away. Thank you, Howard. You know, um, I think I'd like to start today by answering the question that everybody was asking for weeks. And about three weeks ago, I heard this question come up, and I immediately gave the answer I'm going to give on the air. And um, when I did, people challenged me, why? And I said, let's look at the numbers. So today's show is going to start with me answering the question. You know what the question is, Howard. Well, are we better off now than we were four years ago? Exactly. That's got to be the question, right? So the answer is, of course we are. We're astronomically better off. And that's what Clinton meant when he said arithmetic. In other words, if you look at the numbers there's a bunch of things that you start to see with in crystal clarity. And I, and I want to I make a, a request of our audience today. By the way, I, I just got the numbers before we went on the air, Howard, of, of how our audience keeps growing week to week, and I'm really grateful that apparently folks are not only coming back to hear the show, but they're telling their friends. And the audience has been building very, very dramatically. We've more than doubled in the last five months. We have over 3,500 listeners now. Oh, and Excellent. It is. I'm really happy about it. And, you know, if those 3,500 each tell one person, next time we do this, there'll be 7,000. But my point is, I want to talk about why the answer to that question is so important that you are enormously better off than you were four years ago. I am, you are, everybody is. And to do it, I'm going to have to do lots of numbers and arithmetic. Now, the problem is, if I go through all the numbers and arithmetic, number one, I'll exceed the time allotted for this part of the show. And number two, I think people might be just dazed. So here's my request of our listeners. Please, if you hear something in this next set of comments, or anywhere in the show, but in this next set of comments particularly, where you want more numbers, where you want more analysis, where you want me to drill down even deeper, let me assure you the summary conclusions I'm going to give you, as Howard and everybody on the Academy knows, my desk is living proof. I don't let go of information until I'm really through with it, and I've got tons of it on all these different subjects. You ask what you want to know more about, whether it's a number or a conclusion, and we'd love to give it to you on the next show. So please, I'm going to try and do conclusions today 
rather than go deep on any single one of them, but that's not because I don't go deep. In fact, I go very deep on all of them before I come up with my conclusion. It's that I don't want to create a frustration for people who then become numbed by all the statistics. So let's start with the first one, the first statistic and the most important statistic. This country was not only in the greatest recession since the Great Depression, this country was on its way to a depression. That depression was characterized by 850,000 jobs a month being lost the month before Obama took office. We were sliding horrifically. Now, we did the TARP. Shortly after that, we did some stimulus, and I'm going to come back to that in a moment. And through that and a series of really smart decisions, including bailing out GM, we ended up not only coming out of, first of all, avoiding the Depression, another Depression, and coming out of the worst recession since the Great Depression, and some would argue the worst recession of American history. So in 30 consecutive months from the day he took office, which, by the way, the first month he took office, we were at 750,000 lost jobs. This month we were at 96,000 positive jobs. And, Ronaldo, just in case anyone has forgotten, who was in office before Obama took over? George W. Bush. George W. Bush. And which party controlled most of the legislative branch? The Republicans. Right. And, and, and what was their policy was reduce taxes and the economy will grow like topsy. And, of course, what happened was we had a terrible deficit when Clinton took office. Clinton turned the deficit around into a surplus, which is what he handed to Bush in his first year. So Bush walks into the White House with peace in the world and a surplus. He left with the two longest wars in American history, Iraq and Afghanistan, and the worst deficit in the history of the United States. And that'll let's, remind every, let's remind everybody who was president before Bush and which party, for the most part, controlled Congress during this incredible economic boom time of the 90s. Clinton and the Democrats. Now, Exactly. That's not to make the Republicans wrong and the Democrats wrong in either era. The point we have to do is talk about what Clinton said, arithmetic. So if we look at the arithmetic, some things just didn't work. And what we learned that didn't work was trickle-down economics. This show has been talking about that for two and a half years. It doesn't work. Trickle-up does actually expand the middle class, and everybody benefits above and below. We've talked for two years in this program about how Brazil was doing it right, building the middle class, adding one million more people to the middle class in Brazil, uh, working on a, 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 a fuels policy where 40, over 40% of all the fuel consumed in their vehicles is actually grown from sugarcane domestically in Brazil. Okay, so we talked about reducing the dependence on foreign oil, reducing the amount of, of oil that comes in the country that we pay for, which, by the way, has been dramatically reduced in the last four years. So whereas we used to import... 50% of our, all of our, our oil in this country, we're now down to 40. That's a huge, in terms of tens and tens and tens and tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars, a huge turnaround. And it's going to get even better, by the way, and not just because of fracking. It's going to get better because of the switch to alternative energy, which we also talk about on this show. But let me go back to some, some arithmetic. So we went for 30 consecutive months from a loss of, the month before he took office, 850,000 jobs, to a positive of, of 96,000 this month. Now, that 96,000 is not as good as it should be for a whole bunch of reasons, but the number one reason is that the Republicans single-handedly blocked the Second Stimulus Act. You see, the reason why people are looking at this number as negative, meaning the 96,000 this month, is because they're saying, well, gee, we, made, we added 126,000 jobs a year ago. Right. And that's exactly what we said would happen if you pass the stimulus bill. We also said that the effect of the stimulus bill will end right about when it did, which was about nine months ago. Now, we needed another 500 to $750 billion. Paul Krugman said so at the time. I said so at the time. Joseph Stiglitz said so at the time. And the Republican philosophy, which blocked all legislation to do anything about jobs for the last two-plus years and everything we, that we could possibly do with stimulus, was this ridiculous red herring about the deficit, which does not matter if the country goes broke. What matters is getting jobs and then reducing the deficit long-term through growth, not through austerity. Or as Paul Krugman observed very brilliantly, almost 400 million people in Europe have been the victims of a failed experiment called austerity. Every country in Europe that's tried austerity, including Great Britain, has gone into double dip. It doesn't work, can't work, won't work. 
the arithmetic and, and numbers the countries that have avoided that, particularly in Scandinavia, have done very well through these times. Exactly. And by the way, the best example is Japan. Japan, who continues to limp along with, with basically net growth of zero for the second decade, is the second strongest financial currency in the world because they borrow the money from the people and put it back into the people in the way of stimulus. So interesting, uh, a very, very interesting study that one should do on the Bank of Japan and why the Japanese yen stays, stays so strong. But back to where I was on jobs. So we have uh, 96,000 plus jobs. We would have had 196,000 or more plus jobs this month if we'd have gotten that stimulus. Now, here's a number I'm going to predict with absolute confidence. <clears throat> assuming that Obama gets reelected, which is increasingly likely, assuming the Senate gets held, and although Karl Rove is targeting on it, I believe it's increasingly likely that the Democratic Senate will stay Democratic. Those two things happen. I'm going to predict, as I have in the past, I'm going to reiterate, where we are now doing a little bit less than 1.5% GDP, which is what that 96,000 jobs reflects, we're going to do at least 2 to 2.5%. So let's say 1% gain on that 1.5% base. That's a 35 to 60% improvement in the economy, and that's going to happen in 2013, right around the corner. And I'm also going to predict, as I've done in the past, and now I'm more confident than ever it's true, by the fourth quarter of next year, assuming Obama gets reelected and assuming the Democrats hold the Senate, I believe you will see growth of at least 3% of GDP on an annualized basis. Now, one other statistic that you have to keep in mind, one other number, and that is this. That can only add up if we avoid the fiscal cliff, meaning the, 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 the agreement that the Democrats and Republicans made, which I thought was crazy at the time, but they did, was to sequester an enormous amount of money in order to get the debt ceiling raised. Now, to go through that to get the debt ceiling raised is another thing that bothers the heck out of me because it was a, we needlessly shot ourselves in the foot internationally and otherwise because raising the debt ceiling is not increasing your spending, as anybody knows, any, any high school or college student knows. Raising the, debt, raising the debt ceiling just means you've agreed to pay your credit card bill that you've already spent when it comes due, i.e. you will honor your debts. That's all it means. It doesn't mean... You're going to spend more. It just means you'll pay for the ones you've already spent. I should show a little comment in there, Ronaldo, that in all the time that I watch the news and read the newspapers, that simple fact seemed to get overlooked and never really reported in the general media. And to clarify to the American people, and there's a, there was a show on HBO this summer called The Newsroom. The Newsroom, a fictional show, did a better job in faux news of getting that point across, that that was what the argument was about. It took them all of 10 seconds, 10 seconds that the entire mainstream media simply failed to do a year ago last summer. And by the way, I don't know what happened to that show, because I thought it was phenomenal. Well, it's, it's a, it was a short order, is what they call it, uh, limited number of episodes. I don't know whether it's coming back or not for a second season or Boy, another if, run. Ever, if you can see, folks, if you can see that from beginning to end on uh, HBO, uh, go go download it. It's the best thing. And, and, and I'm glad you brought it up, Howard, because I want to finish this little statistical thing. I'm going to ask you to come back and give me time at the end to talk about two things. Why the drop from 8.3% of unemployment to 8.1% is actually a real drop, not a phony drop, and why the numbers uh, that are being quoted on people quoting leaving the workforce are highly misleading. So I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about um, the 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 last piece of arithmetic that we talked about before the show. So give me a okay. shot at the end of the show. But let okay. me finish this let, point let me, now because we've got to get to our guest. Yeah, we have to get to Debbie. She's on the line, and and the piece of arithmetic I'm talking about is this: if you look at the fact that the banks were broke, the entire financial system in the world had collapsed when Obama took office, and you ask me, are you better off today with banks working? Yes. Are banks lending again? Yes. Do they have more to lend? Yes. The housing market was in full implosion. Today, the housing market is rising across the country, and even in cities like Miami, Atlanta, and Detroit, it's ticking up. Average home prices are ticking up. It's a spring-loaded opportunity if we just do a couple of things right with our arithmetic. And what does our arithmetic mean? Our arithmetic means this. We learned beyond a shadow of a doubt during the Bush years 
that reducing taxes for the top 2% doesn't create jobs. It creates chaos and huge deficits that go with it. So all we have to do to avoid the fiscal cliff is, and this is the arithmetic, folks, it's really simple, agree to raise the taxes on the top 2%, so people making over a quarter million dollars a year, and when you do that, take an equal amount out of the budget, balance half between military, which it currently is, and half on domestic programs. Do those things, and you will be extraordinarily pleased with the result. Uh, when I come back at the end, uh, Howard, the, the, the thing we're going to talk about is the numbers on Obamacare, because I want to do the arithmetic on that. But let's not um, take any more time right now, because you just said Debbie's in the line, and I'm really happy she's going to be talking with us today. Okay, well, Debbie, I'm going to open up your line in a second here. You should be open. Can you hear us? And I sure can. There you are. Okay, Ronaldo, I'm going to let you, since you've known Debbie for many, many years, do the introduction, and then right. we'll go from there. Uh, this is a, a joy and an honor. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Ronaldo. So I want to share with people before we start that I was first told to go check out the company that Debbie is the CEO of. Debbie is the president and CEO of a company that does a thing called HeartMath. That's their brand. And my good friend and the co-founder of the Academy, Willis Harmon, told me 20 years ago when that company first started, that's how old HeartMath is, Ronaldo, go find out about this thing. I think they're really, really on to something. It's really powerful. It's the best I've seen anywhere in the world. And if they can get this technology out, it could literally change the way people think and live on the planetary-wide basis. So I've been watching HeartMath for 20 years, honest to God, on my radar screen. And I'm so pleased that after 20 years, they're, they do about $6 million a year in sales, I believe. I'm, I think it's okay to say that, right, Debbie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've got some other exciting announcements. But before I go into that, I just want to ask Debbie, Debbie, explain to people, if you can, what is heart resonance that heart mm. is all about? I know it's more than stress reduction, even though your clients at AT&T think that that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, HeartMath started out, and it still is a research institute as well as a for-profit company that spun out of the research that was developed from HeartMath. And the institute discovered the critical link between emotional state and the physical heart because the metaphors of the heart, like follow your heart, listen to your heart, go deep into your heart for the answer, heart aid, heartbreak, heart-filled, you can think of a million were thought to be just metaphors, but no, they are really connected with how the heart rhythm of the beat-to-beat nature of the heart works. And so that was our breakthrough research published in the American Journal of Cardiology. Now, finding that, heart resonance takes on a real physiological meaning, not just metaphorical. When we feel resonant with someone else, we feel we have a good heart resonance. There's actually energy transferring between people's hearts. So that's the research is pretty astounding showing how when the heart rhythm is in this resonant state inside ourselves, the brain resonates, the brain waves do, and we have more access to our intuition, to better decision-making, to mental clarity, our whole immune response improves, just a whole host of mental, emotional, and physical benefits. And then our connections with others, whether in the workplace or in the family or just in life, becomes more where we can follow those intuitive heart resonances to be more creative, to develop relationships, to really be more productive and fulfilled. And, of course, heart resonance helps us release stress as we go so we're not accumulating it. It's when we get stuck in our mind and brain and we aren't in heart resonance that stress sticks. Well, you know, is it, is it, I don't want to overly simplify, but it, could, could, is it safe to say it's sort of like it's meditation with synchronized to your heart rhythm? Well, that's a good way of saying it, you know, but it's a kind of meditation where you are relaxed but very present. It's, you know, it activates the autonomic nervous system while it's relaxing it at the same time so that your parasympathetic and sympathetic sides of your nervous system become synchronized, and when they are in sync, then the brain waves synchronize to the rhythmic beat of the heart, and that synchronizes your whole cortical function, and that's the physiology underneath it. So, yes, that is the state of heart coherence, as we call it, or heart resonance. So it's sort of like zoning in instead of zoning out. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly 
Uh, Debbie, a quick question. I remember many years ago, this has got to be in the, in the mid-'70s, there were devices that were much, much more primitive form, I think, of, of your device that Ronaldo was showing me before the show started today that were under the rubric of biofeedback mm-hmm. devices. Is this a similar concept to what your device does? Well, let me explain. We developed a heart rhythm feedback device so that people could see when they're not in the heart resonance and when they're in, and it trains you to get in that state very quickly so it shortens your meditation or the time required to quiet your mind and get into that zone in, that that state. But the devices you're talking about, the earlier biofeedback devices, were all based on either galvanic skin response which is, you know, when you're more stressed, you get your skin warms up, you're sweatier, um, and that's due to the autonomic activation. Or they're based upon uh, neurofeedback, brainwaves. Now, what we discovered is those are all secondary responses. The heart is actually telling the brain what the body feels. And the brain is responding with a stress response, fight, flight, or a activation of the higher cortical functions if you're in resonance. So the heart has more wires through the vagal nerve nerves telling the brain how the body feels and what's going on, and the brain goes the other way telling the heart what to do. So heart rhythm feedback is getting you right to the source where you can emotionally feel what's going on and make those shifts, and then the brain responds, then the skin responds. So it is the most effective form of feedback for making emotional and behavioral changes. But that doesn't take away from galvanic skin or neurofeedback, because there's other things you can tell with that. But as far as for stress management or emotional management for behavior change, you want that heart feedback. Now, let me just throw in here, because I, um, I want to just make sure people know, this is still the World Business Academy, and when Willis told me to take an eye and look at this, which I've been doing for 20 years, and I can really validate the technology that HeartMath is using, he has not only been well-patented and protected across the United States and in Europe recently, it's been held up, but it's about a business tool in my mind, and that's what Willis thought. He said, Ronaldo, this could be the ultimate business tool. Mm-hmm. And I want to explain to people real briefly, and I'm going to ask Debbie to chime in, the reason I think that's true and why I showed my uh, M-Wave 2, and we better tell people in a minute what an M-Wave 2 is, but I showed Howard my M-Wave 2, and I showed him how it worked, and I explained the reason, Howard, this is a business tool is because if I take some time every day, which I happen to do as a practice, and center and get clear, I am profoundly more effective as an economic being. Now, the fact I'm a nicer human being to live with and I get along better with my family is a big plus, and then I'm feeling better myself and less stressed. But all those things combined make me far more effective as an economic being, meaning I do better in the workplace because I've learned about this tool. I think you've had other large companies that have made that same discovery, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, We work with numerous large corporations, and we do pre- and post-assessments a lot because it shows the ROI to the company for investing in providing this device, the M-Wave 2, with our online training program called Revitalize You to the employees. And they reduce health care costs, they improve productivity, performance, communication with each other. I mean, there's a lot of, of business outcomes that these companies achieve, and we've worked with Motorola, Sabre, which is the online airline uh, booking company, for, yep. and I mean a lot of them. And, ATT, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so, ABC, uh, right? Yeah, so a whole bunch of So I wanted our listeners to understand that because, and I'm going to ask you in a second to, to give them a place where they can go on the web to find you, because it's really important that you understand that what big companies and people like me know is that it's really valuable if you can do this. It's usually just not affordable, and thank goodness, because of heart math, it is affordable. So whether you're the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, or you work in someone else's company, this is a tool that will perform, that will, that will pay for itself many, many times over because you'll be that much more an effective economic unit. Debbie, how can they find out more about HeartMath? They can go to HeartMath.com, H-E-A-R-T-M-A-T-H.com, and they can learn about HeartMath training and wave technology, our new partnership with Huffington Post that's creating uh, this technology on iPhones. And uh, anyway, 
that's where they can I, go. I was, I was going to come back to that um, that, that, that you just mentioned. I didn't know if we were allowed to talk about it. So you've now met Ariana Huffington. Yes. And I, I, I was delighted to hear that she believes in this whole concept and is going to do it through, I guess, through AOL, right? That's well. AOL owns Huffington Post, and right. when I, they're in the same building, and Ariana felt that it's time to give people who are addicted to technology and stressed out with all the technology a technology that can help them de-stress in real time. <laughs> That's great. And, Perfect. Yeah. So she calls it GPS for the soul, and it shows you when you're in or out. It won't be launched. Uh, you know, it, It's just a taste for people to see. The M-Wave 2 is really the research and tested technology that people want to want to get for themselves. But what's exciting about GPS for the soul is, as Ariana said to me, HeartMath has the research and the technology. Huffington Post has the megaphone to take it to the world because we have to reduce stress while improving resilience, performance, and clarity and intuition in people. And that's why GPS, it shows you when you're on track or off track and then provides little meditations for people to get back on track. And now I know you met with Ariana personally because she she actually personally got involved in this project. Yeah, is she is bright in person as she seems like on the air. Oh, she's brilliant. She's bright. She's very intuitive uh, and just deeply caring about this mission to take Huffington Post and what it offers and new things that it plans to offer to really help build a better word. Great. So we've talked a little bit about, and I know you're on a bit of a deadline, but I, before we lose you, Debbie, I just wanted to ask you, from your point of view, how much time a day would someone have to invest with, say, the M-Wave 2, which is the, the unit I showed Howard, right. and I actually showed him how quickly I could shift gears by just watching it right. change the colors on the dial. How many minutes a day do, I, do you think I need to spend in order for me to get a real significant benefit? Well, that's a good question. M-Wave 2 comes with a little practice plan that suggests people even just spend five, ten minutes a day with it in a setting. First, you want to get to know how it works, and it has a carryover effect. So if you can get the color to shift from red to blue to green, which is how the M-Wave 2 feeds back, whether you're in sync, is you're halfway there in blue, you're all the way there when you're in green, and you're not there when you're in red, and there's a rhythm pacer to help you do that, breathing pacer, as well as shifting to a positive attitude and emotional state. When all that syncs up and, you, and it trains you how to do that, it turns green. That has a carryover effect. So if you can stay in the green or shift back to the green and do this practice for just five minutes a couple times a day or ten minutes once a day, you will start to feel and get to know where inside that shift is and be able to sustain it more on your own. So we tell people to use it five, ten minutes a day. Use it after that stressful conversation to reset your system so you're not carrying it with you the rest of the day. Use it to prepare, prep, before one of those, one of those meetings or you're doing emails that you know are going to be giving you a lot of emotional reactions. It becomes your buddy. That's why it's portable. You take it with you and you do it in order to reset your stress response as you go and to get into that intuitive state. Yeah, and this is smaller, folks, than a, a pack of cigarettes in your hand. But I, I want to also say the part that I thought was really cool is when you plug it into your laptop and it recharges while you're doing that, it downloads your last session and then it mm-hmm. gives you these charts so you can see, like you can train yourself how you're doing. And and I, I just think it's it's just a great technology. and I, I really love it and I'm really grateful that I... I got one. Um, I don't use it as much as I'd like. I'm going to do it more. One last question. Can you do it and it still works after your first cup of coffee? Because it seems to me I do better if I do it before I have a cup of coffee than after. Well, that would make sense, right, because coffee will activate the sympathetic nervous system, and you can have a harder time getting into coherence since you've got to get more parasympathetic going to get that going. But it's also a good challenge because if you can – Emotionally self-regulate, you can bring your energy down and do that after a cup of coffee. You are learning how to do that when you get overexcited during the day or you get overstimulated at any time or you get stressed out. It helps you build that muscle to bring it back into balance and synchronization. So I use my M-Wave after my cup of coffee. Very good. Debbie, I have one quick question too. 
Um, for a typical consumer who just wanted to get one for themselves, what what does this device cost? What does it range between? The M-Wave 2 costs $229. And on it, you get the ear sensor that, or you can use it with just the thumb sensor on it. You get that plug-in so you can see what's happening on your computer. It comes with a game that operates on your level of resonance. And so it trains you through gameplay to become more resonant. And you have you can also put your own music or or visual on the computer and use the M-Wave 2 on the computer plugged in for your own inspiration. And so it's quite a lot that comes with it uh, for just $229. So it's a fairly diversified program. It's not just a simple feedback. No, exactly, and it has yeah. a coherence coach that comes with it that uh, that will and uh, that coaches you through it once you plug that in into your computer. It's a training device as well. Deborah, it, thank you. It's amazing. Very, very I just much. want to end it by saying this. So when it first came out, Howard, when Willis first told me about it, it was 20 years ago, you had to have a very elaborate computer setup, and then it got to the point where you just had to have your PC. And now it's gotten to the point where you can. It's literally the smaller than a pack of cigarettes. And then it plugs into your PC or your laptop between sessions. So I, I keep mine in my the bag I wear over my shoulder every day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just so I can remember if I do get stressed out, which happens, to go reach for it and say, you know what, I'm going to give myself a five minute break. <laughs> I'm just going to take a break from the world for a minute, and I'm going to do some M wave and see what happens. And my heart starts to get calmer, and my mind starts to get calmer, and before I know it, I'm in a much more relaxed, intuitive, open, and frankly, loving space. Mm-hmm. And from that place, everything is a lot easier. Every shades, shades of Woody Allen's orgasmatron, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> or the next, that'll be the next wave. <laughs> well, you know, Wolf is writing about it, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, it, like you said, a lot of people in business use it for when you have a difficult problem to solve so you can really get in the green and then you have a clear understanding of what decision to make. Um, and it's it comes with different packages too. Like there's a booklet for you, how to use it for enhancing your meditation, prayer, or any self help technique, or how to use it to stop emotional eating, which is a big issue for a lot of people. And uh, so there's plenty of applications for health, better health, better performance, better communication, and just better connection with yourself. Just curious. I, my daughter is trying to quit smoking, and she's it's really difficult for her. Would it be able to help her do that? Definitely. There are people who are using it with smoking cessation programs that um, that I that I know of. And if she were to use it prior to her desire to, every time she wants to light up, it would help balance her system so the urge would not be as strong. Great. Good but that's know. the commitment. To, you have to use it. And you know, Instead of the other that's a, right, and that's the same concept in stress eating. If you use the M wave for a couple minutes, get in the green, and then make your eating choices, you're much more balanced and poised, and you are more in charge of those addictive pulls than rather having them in charge of you. It's fabulous. So, Debbie, is there anything we should have asked you that you'd like to share with our audience before you? I know you have to go. Is there anything? Yeah. Else well, I think that this is you know. The fact that this is a mobile device and the fact that in, that eventually we'll be connecting training programs on the whole mobile platforms, you know, to provide people with how to use this for all sorts of different benefits. I think it's a very exciting future for HeartMath and the paradigm shift that world is really going through is a paradigm shift from just ambition, mind, head-driven, self-centeredness to heart-based living, and this is a technology and tool that helps you make that shift from head to heart, and then the head lines up, so the head becomes out as well. Your mind comes out as we focus and shift to the heart. So that's all I'd say. That's the mission of HeartMath. Debbie, thanks for all that you're doing as President and CEO of HeartMath and to help all of us uh, in whatever walk of life we are live in a more meaningful heart resonant space. I'm grateful and thank you. Thank you thank, so much. Thank you very Take much, care. Deborah. Bye-bye. Take care now. Bye-bye. Well, with that, Ronaldo, it's time for us to move on to our lightning round. Great stuff, huh, Howard? Isn't that amazing? Oh, it, it is fascinating. Yeah, I was thinking And I, and I know Debbie really well. She's just a great uh, example of a balanced CEO who does what she does in the world 
extremely well and does it from such a caring and effective place. So glad we had her on the show. Which and we'll have Pamela can, Hawley on another one sometime in the future. Which can reminds us that you can be socially conscious and have a successful business as well. I would another, say it's easier to have a successful business if you're socially conscious. Another good living example of that. Anyway, in our, in our, in our I'm sorry, lightning round, it's a series of quick insights and comments on various asset classes such as bonds, equities, gold, and real estate. Before we jump in, I just want to mention two bits of news items that came out today, which bode fairly well. One is that uh, Germany has signed into law a Euro, Euro bailout fund, which will help things stabilize a little bit there. Can, can I add and, one thing to that? And that's yes. because yesterday the German high court uh, agreed that Merkel had the authority, as long as she didn't go above 240 billion euros, uh, to actually... Uh, to, to actually enter into the the, the Euro Rescue Plan, uh, it's uh, it, it's it's an amazing decision that that many people were afraid wouldn't happen, and um, it's it, it, to me it's, it's it's an extremely interesting way of looking at how they can fix it. But it's 250 billion dollars actually, not euros, is her uh, legal max. But yes, that's uh, that comes with the heels. Reconfirms my thesis, which I've often said jokingly is named after a village in Eastern Europe named Muddling Through. That somehow <laughs> the Europe the Europeans are finding a way to keep things moving ahead and stay stabilized, even though they really don't necessarily agree on how this should be done. They're not prepared to let the whole entire Eurozone collapse into total chaos. They are finding a way to make it through. On the flip side, uh, Ben Bernanke, our Fed chair, announced uh, this morning, in case you hadn't seen the news already, that there is going to be a third round of uh, stimulus by bang- buying up long-term mortgage-backed securities and various other policies that will take place and stay in the place until unemployment drops additionally or inflation rises too fast. And the trigger on that right now is has the Dow up almost 200 points uh, to cool. the highest level we've seen since before the 2008 crash. Um, 206 today. Uh, right now, Howard, I just looked. Amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and thank you for those updates because I think it's important that people realize that when we talk about some of these sweeping concepts, we're not talking about them from a purely abstract, theoretical point of view. We try to ground everything we do on this show in data, data, data. And the reason for that is if we're doing it and we can pass it along to you, then you can have a chance to use your judgment because someone did some work for you on the data itself. That's really what we're trying to accomplish with the show. So please give us your questions and your suggestions as to how we can do it better, and uh, we'll keep trying to do that for you. Right, and all you have to do is email us at info at worldbusiness.org. With that, on to the lightning round. Ronaldo, what do you have to say today? Well, you know, Howard, um, I'm I'm only going to do this quick because of the gold thing is the gold thing still, and I don't see, again, any reason for it. I see it can go up for many reasons. I can see it going down. I say, if you got it now, hold it. If you don't, don't worry about buying it just yet. And um, and you know, gold has of, inched back up lately. We shouldn't mind. It has, that. but not that yeah. much. I mean, if no. you think about it, it's it's what are we at? Sixteen fifty, sixteen sixty. Actually, close to close to seventeen hundred. Up above, yeah. up and below that line. Okay, but even so, I which mean, is roughly where it was about six eight months ago. Right, and we've been saying for six or eight months it's going to go sideways. And if anything goes sideways that much for six or eight months, I'd say that was that prediction turned out to be correct. And and I think more sideways is in in, 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 in line of what's likely to happen until other things occur. Other things could occur that could cause it to go up sharply. Other things could occur that would cause it to go down sharply. But I think continuing to go sideways between now and the next show, unless something really crazy happens, is likely. Uh, I also think that, and, and, and crazy would have to be worse than, than a planned al-Qaeda attack on the embassy in Libya and the death of an ambassador, which is tragic, and apparently he was quite a great guy. Uh, Chris Lewis, Ambassador uh, Lewis, but um, that controlled attack to me is the same category as what happened to the coal. Uh, it, 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 that was an organized attack. That was not the people of Libya. In fact, I was right. delighted that there was a counter demonstration last night in Libya, where the people came out of the streets with signs saying, "We love what Americans did for Libyans. We this is not the the action of the Libyan people." I'm glad they did, and I think even if I'm not mistaken, Morsi from Egypt came out and said that although we can't ever condone that film on the life of the prophet, we certainly uh, don't condone the violence and will protect the embassies and stop short of an apology, which I think we'll get eventually from him. In any event, the lightning round. So we've been talking for months now about how real estate's coming up. I hit on it earlier. I even said that Miami, Atlanta, and Detroit are all beginning to move up. Uh, that will continue, by the way. Uh, so 
Uh, if you had the chance to buy real estate and you needed a place to live, as I've been saying for months now on this show, you should have been buying by now because the rates are at an all-time low and the values are at an all-time low. You'll never see this again in your lifetime, most likely. Um, I also want to talk about um, the commercial real estate market. Uh, commercial real estate market continues to be less than fully attractive, often characterized by what are called REIT or REIT, real estate investment trusts. Uh, I don't think it's time yet to get into them. I was asked about that just recently. Uh, it's too soon. Uh, commercial real estate will will lag behind housing. It will also lag behind the economy uh, starting to move forward. However, if, as uh, we said earlier, Obama gets reelected and the Senate is retained by the Democrats, we would expect that some of the trillions of excess liquidity currently in the marketplace will begin to lift a number of different industries, including commercial real estate, because that liquidity needs a place to find a home. And there will be an expectation that the economy is going to rise. If the economy is going to rise, you want to buy the building today, not tomorrow. So I see it in the future. We'll keep watching it for you, not yet for commercial real estate. There is one warning I want to give people about certain areas of the country, and that is this. Because of climate change, I wouldn't want to have anything that was an investment in the, uh, the Gulf of Mexico area, if you will, the states along the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, I wouldn't want to have um, uh, my money tied up in a way that I, that I couldn't move it, so to speak, with real estate in a place that was uh, prone to forest fires because more are coming. I would not want it to be in a low-lying area like Miami or most of the state of Florida because additional storms will hit. So you should be cautious, particularly about climate change-related economic activity. Um, by the way, there are ways to win in climate change as well, but most of the climate change issues are really negative on certain areas of the country, and you need to watch out for them. And as I've said in previous programs, if you're going to go buy a farm, and I want to talk about that in a second, that's probably one of the better things you could do today, provided you know to keep your investment in drip irrigation as well and know that there's an adequate water supply and the water table in your area is not dropping too fast, which it is in many areas. Now, I wanted to mention about agricultural buying, agricultural real estate, or actually just starting to grow food. There's a movement on in Spain, and most people haven't picked up on it yet. Spain has been sustaining a 25% unemployment rate now for months. Terrific. Uh, 25% is, is depression levels. And what's happened is there's been a net out migration from the cities back into the villages. And what people are finding out is, whereas the sophistication of the complex modern urban society doesn't hold up well in depression-type economics, being on the land does, meaning that you can, if you go back to a village where people have abandoned it basically because it's now second homes and they've stopped farming there, and they reintegrate with that village structure, some of them will end up owning grocery stores. Some of them will end up owning uh, fuel stations. Some of them will end up owning uh, irrigation supply stores. And some and, of them Ronaldo, are I do farming. want to add something into to that. In Europe, in Spain uh, in particular, unemployment is not the same as it is here. It is a much greater sustaining benefit that also covers health care. Well, you're social. covered for health care, independent of your job status, so that to be unemployed even at 25%, yes, it's a bad number, it's a frustrating number, but it does not create the same catastrophe that it would here in this country. Because That's the, there is the, a the safety, safety net. net. There is a safety net, and we don't have that here to that no. extent. Howard, absolutely correct. And, and, and that social safety net is so vital because it gives people a chance to stay alive, to keep their families intact, and, and, and move somewhere in the country where they can survive. So there's this net out migration that's occurring, and they're ending up in the villages. They're repopulating the villages. Now, why am I mentioning that? Because one of the things that you could do with, as an investment right now, and even if you are locked to your desk job in the city, there may be some cousin or relative or good friend of yours who's willing to move to the country and begin growing food. In an area, again, the, the water table cannot be in jeopardy, and you have to assume you're going to use drip irrigation or some other form of, of, of mechanism for farming. Now, you can start with a very small plot of land. You don't have to have a 1,000 acres. You can start with a city lot. And you can grow, for example, a, a city lot where you grow hothouse tomatoes can make quite a bit of money. So there's a lot of different ways you can do this. And what I want to urge people to do is not only think about can you grow your own victory garden for yourself, that's going to be a long-term benefit to you 
if you can support yourself or your family with actually food you would grow in a farming context, because there's a very decent chance small farming will make a comeback, and that's premised upon the fact that you can actually do organic farming without reliance on pesticides, without reliance on fertilizers. And I'll give you an example. I won't tell you his last name, but a man named Brian, who's in his early 50s, who built a $9 billion division of a large company, actually has just bought himself a farm. He's going to the rural area, and he believes that with his sophistication and skill in the business world, he can make a very big success for himself and his family in a much better environment without any of the stresses we have in the urban environment and without having to worry about whether the economy goes up, down, or sideways. That, to me, and Brian's a very, very bright guy. I know him well. That, that to me, is a precursor. So you might not be able to buy as many acres as Brian bought, but you can actually go in that direction. So I just want to give people that idea as a, a way to broaden our thinking about what we think of as asset classes. With that in mind, Howard, do you have any questions specifically on any particular asset class? Uh, no, I don't. I think, um, you know, what we've seen has been relatively positive in terms of the markets. Um, and and but also not a lot of drastic change. You want to predict the price of oil for the next 60 days? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say, even though it's edging up now, I think in the next 60 days it will go back down. It'll be close to 90. $90 a barrel. 90 a barrel, correct. Yeah, and, and how I will that translate to And I think pump? at the pump, we probably will be back in the $3-plus um, range as yeah, opposed and, to the $4 range. Yeah, and the caveat here, folks, for people who listen to the show who don't live in California, we typically end up with a higher price per gallon. So when we're paying four fifteen, four twenty, four twenty-five, like we are today, the rest of the country is paying three eighty-five. So make a fifty-cent adjustment. The other thing in California, for those of listeners in California, actually, is- Bernal, let me make one caveat to it. That's not so much based on any particular economic news as it is based on what I've been saying on many of these shows that I believe the price of oil is a manipulated commodity and that oil industry never wants to be seen as an election year issue, and that there is a tendency every two years before the congressional and or presidential election cycle for the price of oil relative to itself, relative to itself where it's been in the course of the year, to be down before the election. I'm going out on that limb again. Howard, I think it's good theory most years, but this year because of Citizens United, the largest, most powerful companies in the world no longer think they have to hide their true motivation. And so this year it might not work. And I also want to point out for people who are listening in California, because Howard may be right, uh, but who, those listening in California, we also have an anomaly in that we had a big refinery fire. And that's being used as an excuse to keep our, our gas bills up. I plead with the audience, please, drive 5% less and watch the price of gas come down 50 cents at the pump no matter where you live. Uh, if you drive 5% less, you'll bring the price of gas down at 50 cents a gallon at the pump everywhere in America. So think about that as an asset class that you can actually control, and please send us in questions about other asset classes that you'd like us to discuss. That having said, financial literacy. Howard, give us a few minutes on load versus no load funds. Okay, load versus no load. Um, The mutual fund industry in general tends to be dominated both in publications, in magazine advertising, um, in wholesalers who visit offices of brokerage firms around the country, buy what's known as the no-load side of the industry. No-load means basically you're buying a mutual fund. could be for anything. could be a stock fund. It could be a bond fund. Let's not get into details of what they are so much as how you buy it, this, this instrument. And they tell you there's no commission to buy it. There's no fee. That sounds like a free lunch. But as we all know, there is no free lunch. No-load mutual funds have what is known as an expense ratio. Every fund actually has an expense ratio. There's both the one that is sort of a published number, and then there's another number you really have to dig deep into prospectus to get all of the actual internal costs of a fund. And the way these are structured with sort of visible and somewhat harder to find, those are all legal in the way that uh, the SEC and Congress and all the other agencies that regulate funds have established in terms of reporting. So we're not doing they're not doing something illegal or inappropriate to their industry. They're simply doing what they're allowed to do in terms of reporting. You have to understand that also. However, because no loads have a higher expense ratio than the so-called loaded funds, depending on the fund itself, two to three to four years down the line, if you're holding that fund, it will actually cost you more to own that fund 
than a loaded fund. And I'll give you an example. On our Morgan Stanley Smith Barney system, and again, I'm not advocating any of this. Um, I hold some funds, and I don't actually purchase that many as, as a broker. But in our system, if I am going to place an order for a mutual fund, I will get a special screen. It will not simply allow me to purchase that fund. It will ask me, have I spoken with my client about how long they want to hold that fund? I will have to respond affirmatively, and I will have to indicate in that uh, order entry system how many years that client thinks they're going to hold the fund. Now, also keep in mind, mutual funds are not for trading in and out of on a daily basis. They are for longer-term holds. However, that term could be a year, two years, five years, 20, 30 years, depending on the individual. When I program in the number of years that client tells me they're going to be holding that fund, my screen will then populate with the different ways of buying that fund, and they will tell me which one is going to be the least expensive for that client. So very often, if it's a five- or a ten-year hold that's expected on this fund, or even trading within that same fund family, very often a loaded fund, and there are two types. There's the front end where you pay a commission up front, could be anywhere from 5 to 1%, um, or a back-end fund charge that is a load when you sell the fund, you pay the commission. It will calculate, based on the standard of that fund, which one will actually turn out to be cheaper over every single period of time. If it's two years, let's say, well, a no-load might be cheaper because it has no load, and the expense ratio doesn't quite offset the initial commission charge um, that a loaded fund might have. But it's very important for anybody who ever buys a fund to know for themselves how long you think you're going to be holding it and what the relative charges are for each of the types of purchases. And I will stress forever, there is no such thing as a free lunch, and if you think you're getting into a mutual fund because it doesn't cost you anything to get in or get out, you have a big surprise waiting for you because those expenses actually diminish on an ongoing basis your actual return. You just but don't see it. I, I have a caveat, and the caveat I want to offer folks is this. First of all, Howard has to, happens to be scrupulously honest and would always tell you what's in your best interest. I hate to say it, folks, but most of his industry isn't that way. So if you happen to know someone like Howard, who you can really trust, will tell you the truth, will help you to calculate not only what the likely holding period is, but take your personal situation into account so you know you aren't going to be stretched to need the money sooner, then you can, you can look at loads and no loads because they do have variable yields. If you are uncertain about the times or you're uncertain about how long you can leave your money down, or if you're uncertain whether the person you deal with is that uh, scrupulous as Howard, it is a great option for you to use no loads because a no load can actually reduce the amount of overhead you pay at a time when you would otherwise be paying more in the way of commission instruction. Now, Howard's point is an honest guy like Howard looking at the respective yields can actually find the optimum for you based on how long you are going to hold. And I think that's really the key decision. So it, what I hope you got from this little conversation is it takes, like everything else, some sophistication. It's your money. You earned it. You worked hard to get it. Don't be careless with how you hold it and know the difference, what the real difference is between a load and a low load fund. Okay. I think exactly. we covered that, Howard. We're not, right. Ronaldo, we're coming into the last six minutes or so of the show. Um, so I think you want to get back and finish up our arithmetic section. I do. And uh, any concluding uh, messages for our audience today? Well, you know, I think it's, it's going to be um, – it's going to be tough to get this in in the time allotted, but let me just do it this way. Um, in the New York Times today, and by the way, it was I think it was yesterday in the Financial Times. It's been in Bloomberg. Um, the numbers now have come in that the income gap, meaning the distance between the rich and the poor in this country, has really grown not only over the last 30 years markedly, but it's grown even since the recovery started. The top 5% are getting virtually the entire recovery. Of that top 5%, the top 2% are getting the overwhelming portion of it, meaning the rich are getting richer and the poor aren't getting healthy as fast. Now, that's arithmetic. If you want to know how well the middle class is doing, there's a chart that will show you relative to the top 2%. There's no question, and this is not class warfare. For one thing, I'm in the top 2%. 
No, this is about trying to understand how the rules work the game. If you aren't wealthy enough to afford the lobbyist of your choice to help carve legislation to help you get richer, the Congress, when you're not looking, will do things like the Bush tax cuts to you. And what you have to realize is arithmetic says we need to increase the taxable burden on the top 2%, and all we have to increase it to, folks, is where it was under Clinton when we had the last economic miracle. And you know how much that is? 3% more. Now, i got to assure you, there is nobody I know in the top 2%, and I know a bunch, who will be affected one iota by 3%. It won't cause them to not buy the next yacht. It won't cause them to buy, not buy the next dress or go to the next party or the next fine dinner. 3% additional tax is what it takes to balance our level of the spending if we're going to get the middle class to grow and to get out of this recession with a with a real move now, an upward move, which we're capable of. That's Ronaldo, I, what I'd like to bring you back to something you mentioned before we started the show today about Shen, Sheldon Adelson. Yeah. Um, and I think this is this is so indicative of what this election and what arithmetic is really about. Would you repeat those numbers for our audience? I think yeah. it's absolutely essential they understand. If, if, okay, Sheldon Adelson is single-handedly the largest contributor to Republican candidates. He's putting up hundreds of millions of dollars at a time. He's a guy who's gotten very, very wealthy in the last few years as a um, as a, a guy who runs gambling casinos. And what really made him into a mega, mega billionaire because he started in Vegas, but what really what really popped him over the top was um, in Macau, the uh, formerly Portuguese gambling enclave off of Hong Kong. And by the way, his Involvement in Macau is a serious is, 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 is a seri- it's seriously being probed because it appears that he has created several federal fel- felonies by violating the Federal Corrupt Practices Act, and he's, he's currently under investigation. And I know anybody like Sheldon Adelson will pay anything to get the right president in office if he can get that 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 that, that investigation called off. Because it's looking very, very messy. If people want more details, I'd be happy to explain it to them. But in so the short time, we've got more left. money to purchase this election than any other human being in the history of the United States, under the guise of Citizens United, that corporations are people. Um, and how much does he stand to benefit? If okay, if he do, according to the calculations that was done yesterday, he will benefit an additional two billion dollars in tax savings under Romney's plan. Two billion. Now, folks, he doesn't need another two billion dollars. He's already a mega-billionaire, and he probably got it by violating the Federal Corrupt Practices Act in Macau. But my point is, he stands to gain the end of a criminal prosecution against him in Macau and the United States, which is what's currently undergoing. He's potentially violated the law. We think we'll find out more. And number two, he will end up with a $2 billion gain. So, of course, he's willing to put two, three, four, five hundred million million to corrupt this election, to buy the election. The good news is, even with Citizens United, I think people have finally woken up I don't think this amount of money pouring into the electoral system, apart from enriching the television and radio networks, I don't think it's going to change the result. I think people are watching now. And the more they watch, the more they realize the numbers really make sense. You have to pay attention to arithmetic. You cannot cut the taxes on the top uh, 2% and expect to get us into anything but another depression. Conversely, if we raise the taxes on the top 2%, the arithmetic says... We can create a boom that I said earlier in the show would be 2.5% GDP growth, so 60% improvement over where we are to this year, and higher by the end of next year where it's going to be 3% or more. So that's what we got to look forward to if we're willing to get the wealthy to pay their fair share, which we should, and the fair share only means what they paid back under, under Clinton. Remember, under Eisenhower, it was double what it was in Clinton, and we boomed during the 50s. So I want to give you one last thought about the unemployment numbers I said I'd come back to. A lot of talk about... The 8.3% drop this month to 8.1% unemployment is somehow a phony number because it doesn't count the people who sort of gave up on looking for a job. Now, we've talked about this issue for over two years on this program. We first identified it long before the national press. And I'm going to end this conversation today with a comment about the national press. Folks, there's two reasons why that number is actually real, why the drop from 83 to 8.1 actually happened. First of all, Because of people like me who are 65 years old, so I'm part of the baby boom generation, what's called the age wave in America. Ronald, I want to interrupt for a second. We're actually going to run out on our time frame in 45 seconds. We will lose air connection, so you need to wrap that up really fast. Okay. The The baby boom generation is not going back to work. They decided, they okay, they're not going to get reemployed at 65, 
And that percentage demographically runs off. There's an article in Atlantic Monthly you can look at in that that will tell you more about it. And the second thing is a lot of women are very intelligently going back to college, getting a degree, so as the economy picks up in 2013, they'll get hired for more money. That's the basic arithmetic on that. The comment on the press is simply this. The press is starting to do its job. It's starting to hold people accountable. It's saying, wait a minute, that's not true. Let's look at the facts. And, you know, at the end of the day, even though the Romney campaign said, we're not going to let the fact checkers run this campaign, that is, in fact, what has to happen, because the point of the whole media is to dig into the facts and deploy, deploy them for you so you can understand and then make an informed decision. That's what we do on this show. I'm glad the media is starting to join us in that, in that humble effort. Thanks, Howard. Thanks for Thank everybody. you, Ronaldo. And we'll be back next October on the 11th. Um, and hope you'll tune in for our show. You can also, again, find us on the website at worldbusiness.org. And, and send get a friend emails. to join you. Okay. Thank you. And good day. Bye-bye.